stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gildas Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Uh, in fact, our services are offered at over 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Uh, on today's show, which is being brought to you in part by Azai and Morphotech. We are thrilled to welcome the creator and uh, executive producer of The Big C, uh, a riveting series on Showtime that gives viewers a, a, truly a raw look into uh, what it's like to live with cancer, which is an often uh, taboo subject for TV. Uh, the Showtime series, which is now in its uh, second season, follows Kathy Jameson, played by uh, the tremendous Laura Linney. She's a reserved suburban housewife and mother whose recent stage four cancer diagnosis forces her to re-examine uh, her life and her relationships and choosing to keep her illness secret from her family through most of the first season. The show's main character, Kathy, behaves uh, somewhat erratically, really, in ways that, um, uh, that folks find puzzling and, and a little bit bizarre. And she, she, she really explores a freedom um, discovered following the diagnosis. And things change in the season finale when, when Kathy does start to share this news with her with her family, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, and you know, originally she also declines medical treatment, and she decides uh, in in season two to face cancer uh, head on and joins a, a clinical trial. Laura Liddy won a Best Actress Golden Globe Award uh, this year for her brilliant work as Kathy in The Big C. She's accompanied on the show by Oliver Platt, who plays Kathy's husband Paul, uh, Gabriel Basso, and her as her son Adam. The cast also includes uh, John Benjamin Hickey as Kathy's eccentric brother, Sean, uh, Oscar-winning uh, a- uh, actress, uh, Gabrielle Sidibe. Uh, she rounds out the cast as a high school student who uh, Kathy takes a special interest in. So really, despite addressing what can be a sensitive topic, The Big C is, is a comedy that is incredibly well-written with lots of heart. Uh, since its premiere last year, the show has been making headlines for taking an honest look at, at what it's like to live with cancer. Um, it was nominated for a Golden Globe this year and has been praised again, for this really raw portrayal of what it's like to face one's own mortality and, uh, and at the same time keeping audiences laughing, which is, a, I think, sometimes probably an incredible challenge. We're honored today to welcome uh, Darlene Hunt, who is the creator and executive producer of The Big C, uh, to our show today uh, for a look behind the scenes, really a discussion of the role the show plays in the broader cancer community, lessons we can learn from Kathy's journey uh, as a person newly diagnosed with cancer. Darlene is a writer and actress whose writing credits include Beverly Hills 90210, Good Morning Miami, and Will and Grace. Uh, she's toured the company as a stand-up comedian and currently 
has a recurring role on the NBC sitcom Parks and Recreation. Thanks for being here, Darlene. Hello. I'm so uh, honored to be here. Thank you. Well, we're excited to have you on the show because the Big C really explores exactly what we aim to do here um, on our show, frankly speaking, about cancer, which is openly address the cancer experience and its effect not just on the patient but really on, on family and friends as well. And cer- cancer can certainly be devastating, but we know, uh, having, having been doing this you know, in our organization for, for 30 years, it can also be funny. Uh, the Big C really does a great job of walking this line, uh, poignant moments, heartbreaking moments, laugh-out-loud moments, um, uh, along the way. So, so let's start with Darlene, um, where you got the idea for, for the Big C. What was your inspiration? I don't think that, you know, a cancer comedy is <laughs> something that comes to the front of everyone's mind. Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, there are a few, uh, uh, a few ways I came at this. One uh, of which I sat down with a producer named Vivian Cannon, um, and I was had a deal with Sony to write a pilot for Sony, and she was a producer through Sony, and uh, we just started talking about shows that we would uh, love to see on the air, but we didn't think anyone would actually buy. Mm. And she said, I think it's time for a cancer comedy. And I just, I immediately perked up, because I thought that there was something so raw and real uh, just about that sentence that she had said. Um, and, and sort of in broader terms, what she meant by that was that we've all been touched by cancer in some way. Um, I think it would be hard to find someone who hasn't been touched by cancer. Sure. Yeah. Um, and as Vivian has said, she doesn't know anyone who has gone through cancer without dealing with it with a sense of humor. Um, and I personally, just as a writer, I, uh, you know, I always uh, say I have sort of a laughter through tears sensibility. Like I need... I need my comedy to really be about something uh, at its at its heart, some some universal truth, uh, and I like putting very relatable characters um, on screen. And I thought, what's more relatable than cancer? Um, so that was sort of my jumping off point. I knew this was an area I wanted to explore, uh, but the fact is, I am not a cancer survivor, mm-hmm. um, so I knew that I couldn't tell a story that was sort of about someone going through cancer treatment with a sense of humor, exactly. I needed to find a little more of my own way into it. And uh, that became uh, through motherhood. I just had my first baby, and uh, it was the first time I remember a very specific moment when I was looking at this newborn, and I just started bawling because I just thought, oh, my gosh, I want to be with her for her whole life. And I just Mm. realized, oh, my God, that's not going to happen because I'm going to die. Yeah. Um, and I think it was literally just the first time that I, I realized the, the truth uh, about life is, is death. It's inevitable. Uh, and it finds us all. Um, so that became my personal... Um, I always tell writers you have to find your autobiography in, in whatever you write. So that kind of became my autobiography, that this was a story about a woman suddenly confronted with her mortality. And, um, you know, in Kathy's case, it's being diagnosed with stage four melanoma. But, um, but the real punchline, if you will, of the whole show is that, um, is that we will all die, Kim. Okay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so why not laugh about it? Because what choice do we have? Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, congratulations on the baby, by the way. It's uh, Thanks, great I news do and now. life-changing. Um, it is life-changing, yeah. Can you, t- can you, can you talk us through the pitch? You know, how do you, you know, how do you go in there and, and, and pitch the cancer comedy? I mean, how do you, uh, you know, how do you pull that off? How do you find that, uh, you know, that fine line uh, on such you a know, serious I gotta be topic honest, and finding the comedy in No, I've got to be honest, this is definitely uh, one of my more 
Well, my most challenging um, um, pitches ever. I'd made quite a career out of writing uh, pilots for networks and, and being paid handsomely for it, although nothing had, had turned into a series. Um, and this, the one that did turn into the series ultimately was really the one that was hardest to sell. Um, and not honestly just because of the concept alone, because it took me a while to really get my feet under uh, me and to, to find that balance of, of comedy and, and darkness uh, and frankly, if you pitch, if you go into a room to pitch a comedy show, you better make them laugh, and you better make them laugh fast, you know. And um, so it took me a while to sort of find the jokes that I wanted to tell and, and get the room to laugh, and then find themselves sort of uh, curious that they were laughing about uh, about a show that that dealt with with cancer. Um, and so the first two pitches at the first two networks, um, I did not make anyone laugh. Um, I just really kind of didn't, I didn't know exactly what the show was. Um, and so I canceled the other pitches because I, I just felt like it wasn't right. Um, and I kind of went back to the drawing board and, and honestly, it's all sort of a fog now. Um, and it was just, it, I, I, it wasn't a matter of changing anything dramatically. It was sort of just massaging um, the comedy and, and the characters and, and figuring out where the humor was going to come from and, and my best way to sell the show. And then um, I had offers from the, the next two places I pitched to and, uh, and went with Showtime because I thought that they were, that they would really allow me to go to the dark places, which is what I, uh, um, you know, wanted to, wanted to do. Do you, do you feel, do you feel like, uh, like this fits in with, uh, you know, with a lot of what we're seeing in, in Showtime these days in terms of, you know, United States of Terror and Nurse Jackie? And, I mean, do you felt like this character and that, that idea fit in thematically with these women? Um, you know, I, I, let's see. I mean, I think they're doing a lot of, uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't totally know how to compare my show to, um, to the others. I, mm-hmm. I think I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so into the big C right now. I, yeah. I think a little bit myopically, but, but I know those, uh, people love those other shows and, and I love that, uh, that those shows have strong women, female yeah. characters and, and that's terrific. Yeah. I think, you know, I see some great, uh, I see some great themes, uh, there certainly uh, as a viewer, which which I think uh, which I think are interesting. Um, how do you? Um, we've got a, a break coming up, only in a couple minutes. But but tell me, you know, how do you walk that line in terms of of creating that comedy, those human moments, those relatable moments, without crossing the line, without you know uh, uh, offending audiences, or is that even a consideration? You know, honestly, I don't worry about that. I, you know, I've done a lot of stand-up. I, I don't really worry about comedy being uh, um, too offensive. If you're not an offensive person, you know, if you're not a racist or a horrible person, <laughs> then, <laughs> then um, I, I think uh, I think if your heart's in the right place, the comedy will will come out in hopefully the right way. Um, and the truth is, um, you know. Uh, we're not poking fun at people with cancer or, um, um, you know, we're, it, it, the reality is that people are funny. People yeah. say funny things. People have a way of, of uh, looking at their dark situation and, like, you know, making a joke about how they're going to make the best of it. And um, so, you know, in the writer's room, we just try to keep a constant balance. And sometimes if we have a fairly heavy storyline, then we just really want to amp up um, the dialogue and the character's viewpoint on it. And sometimes, um, 
then the, the actual situation and the plot becomes becomes the bigger joke, you know, of, of maybe something really wacky that Kathy's going to choose to do. So depending on the episode, we, we pull the comedy from, uh, from slightly different uh, places as we, as we need to, to, to put the threads of the quilt together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, just before we go to the break here, I, I, obviously the show's getting critical acclaim. What kind of feedback are you getting from, from across the country? Any, any uh, sort of average Joe feedback that's been interesting? Yeah, you know, Facebook is an amazing thing that way because people yeah. can kind of track you down who who wouldn't uh, be able to normally, I guess. Um, and I mean, I, I honestly, I'm just humbled. I, I feel like I get a lot of just thank yous from cancer survivors, or people who say, uh, "My mom has cancer. She loves the show. Uh, we watch it together. It's really meaningful." Um, and it, yeah, I'm just humbled. I appreciate that, but I but I also feel like wow, I really I did what I I set out to do in terms of um, putting putting somebody that people could relate to on on TV. Now, whether they relate to her actions, and when somebody would be like, oh, I would never do that, and that was a horrible choice she made. Um, that's that's fine and valid and and good, um, but. The reality is she has cancer, and people have cancer and um and so i just I really wanted to create a character that that people that was going through something that was that was so common and, and real yeah well I, you know I mean you certainly sparked a dialogue in our organization and and uh, uh, I, you know as you can imagine as many different people as there are and different cancers as there are, you know, we've gotten yeah. some really interesting and, and uh, you know, and diverse feedback. But there is no, uh, we certainly believe as an organization, there is no one way to approach a, uh, cancer and there's no right way. Um, so people do have to really find their own path and, and, and approach it in a way that, that feels right for them. Um, you know, one of our therapists always says, uh, who you are as a person is who you will be with cancer. So, um, oh, interesting, so yeah. You know, yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, we're breaking down the big C today, the Showtime hit series with uh, with uh, creator uh, and executive producer Darlene Hunt. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The cancer support community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the cancer support community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Hi, 
I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, brought to you today in part by Genentech and Celgene. On today's show, we're talking to Darlene Hunt, the show's creator and executive producer. Uh, We're talking about The Big C, the Showtime original series about a middle-aged woman's experience with cancer. Uh, earlier in the show, we were really talking about this, the, uh, how the series mixes humor with, 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 with tragedy and life's challenges as Kathy, uh, the main character played by Laura Linney, deals with a stage four uh, cancer diagnosis. I just want to, Darlene, dive into a few of the kind of medical aspects of the show and how you arrived at, at, at some of these um, uh, decisions. Uh, for example, tell us why was melanoma chosen as, as Kathy's uh, cancer diagnosis and, why, you know, why this really stage four advanced disease? Right. Well, a few reasons. I, I was sort of emailing back and forth with my uh, good friend from college who's a, a radiologist now. And uh, so most of my initial cancer research on the pilot was uh, through talking to her and, uh, and, you know, explaining what I was doing and my thoughts and, uh, and, you know, as a doctor, she was very kind of supportive and excited, which, um, which buoyed me. Um, but then we got into real specifics about the different kinds of cancers and uh, the different treatment options. And I sort of landed on melanoma for a few different reasons, one of which is uh, physically it, it takes a, a while longer to, to take a toll than, than some of the other cancers we were talking about. Um, you know, and I wanted this character to be able to, you know, fairly look look the same and, and stay functional for a while. Um, uh, I heard a story from somebody who worked on the pilot whose uh, friend uh, ran marathons, um, who was diagnosed with stage 4 melanoma and ran marathons up until um, mm-hmm. the end of his life. And then that, that marathon uh, piece stuck with me, and that actually plays into the storytelling in Season 2. Um so then the other piece about melanoma was, um, and ironically, just in a couple of years, things have changed so much, but there, there wasn't great treatment options, um, yeah. she explained to me. There, um, it wasn't really considered a, a curable disease, and, um, and it, chemo wasn't that effective. Th- this is what the doctor spoke to me. I, I don't want to get in trouble with anyone who, uh, who may have different opinions on that. Um, but so that's why I chose melanoma because I really wanted, I, I wanted this woman to feel like she had been given a death sentence. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that her first reaction wasn't just to jump 
to treating the cancer as as one might and, and would often do and is very valid, but I wanted her to jump to the place of changing my life. I want to change my life, you know, and, uh, and my relationships in the little time that I may have left. So um, you were really trying to create that kind of wake-up call moment. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that her, it's been interesting to, to watch her, you know, relationships with different, different members of the, um, of, of the medical uh, profession. Can you talk to us a little bit, you know, in season one about her relationship with, uh, uh, with Dr. Maurer? I mean, obviously some funny moments, some, some touching mm-hmm. moments uh, in their interaction. Can you dig into that for us a little bit? You know, quite Honestly, like I just feel like the the doctor patient relationship is so unique and 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 special. And you know, if you're going through something, and, and again, if I if I may relate uh, as a mother, you know, when mm-hmm. I saw my um, my OBGYN for the you know a year once a week, um, it, you know, when I was pregnant and and then after my baby, like. It's you become so reliant on that doctor, and really, you know, everything they say is so precious to you, and you really have to put a lot of faith into them. and And I do feel like that there's a, um, you know, a certain love that happens um, where you just you're just so filled with such gratitude, and it's like, thank you for going to med school, thank you for helping me, and for being <laughs> here for me. Um, and so that's that's the kind of uh, relationship that I was intrigued by and and wanted to play out. Um, you know, and, and in this case, there's sort of the love, the, those feelings of love and gratitude kind of go swing both ways because um, she is his first um, terminal diagnosis, um, as he explains in the pilot. So she's kind of a, you know, he's going through a learning curve, too, with, with growing attached to somebody that he might lose. Um, so it's just kind of an interesting relationship um, to play with and... and so let's go to, um, you know, obviously some interesting discussions and interactions with him about, uh, you know, kind of the process for these, uh, for these medical, medical choices. And, and I, yeah, I really appreciate your kind of understanding your thinking on um, why it wasn't this idea of starting treatment right away, that the focus was really on this, on this wake-up call. So the immediate trigger right. wasn't kind of straight... Um, um, straight into chemo. Can you talk about that a, a little bit more? Just the the process for for those medical choices, the process for um, you know r- really. I, I imagine you probably had some people you know kind of going, wait, you got to look for treatment, find a treatment, get a second opinion, get a third opinion, um, and probably yelling at the TV. But um, sure. w- w- tell me a little more about about the, some of those choices. Um, well, you know. Um when we got into the writer's room and started discussing, one of, of the writers talked to their own oncologist um, and started digging for information about melanoma, and, and um, they mentioned interleukin as a, as a treatment. I mean, it's a very risky treatment, and it's not always successful, but, but they said that that is one of the more common treatments. And so that, be, that sort of um, got into our brains very early on. So we knew as a journey for the first season that at the end of that season, she would decide to undergo that treatment. Um, I mean, the other sort of uh, part of our, our thinking was that if someone is given sort of a late-stage diagnosis and they're to- told, like, you know what, these here are some options, but there are no guarantees and it could affect your quality of life. And, um, you know, this is 
somewhat of a death sentence. You know, I wanted it to seem somewhat valid that she would choose to just to just go out, um, you know, without compromising that quality of life and, and just kind of try to make changes and, and, and do what she needed to do in this short amount of time. You know, and then she goes through a process where she discovers by the end of the season, like, you know what, life's worth fighting for. Um, I'm looking at this treatment option differently now than I, than I did earlier. Um, I've connected more with my family. I've opened up to them. And, and now I'm making this decision to try this, to try this risky treatment. Um, so we wanted to, it, to while, while some people might arrive at, at that decision in a very knee-jerk way, uh, we wanted to sort of play it out dramatically as a, as a decision that, that she came to. And, and the other piece of it is, you know, it seemed like every day we were reading more and more articles on melanoma research, and there are so many clinical trials and new drugs being tested, and, you know, people always send us emails where they're like, did you read that article in the New York Times about that new drug? Well, that changes your, your um, series completely because sometimes they'll misinterpret and read it as a cure for melanoma. You know, sadly, that's not quite the case, but what is awesome is that um, new drugs and treatments are, are effective and are prolonging people's lives. And so we kind of got to a point where we would have been really remiss not to have her undergo um, a treatment because, um, because there are more and more options. Options. And any particular rationale for her going into a trial? You know, for the exact same reason. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. the interleukin didn't work for her, um, uh, you know, as it doesn't in, in the majority of cases. Um, and so she she had to look uh, elsewhere. But, you know, she was already in the spirit of fighting at that point. She was already, she had said in the finale, I'm going to go out ugly. I'm going to do what I have to do. Um, and so she's filled with kind of a new, a new hope and, and kind of an enthusiasm for fighting and looking for options. And so, you know, she and, and her husband get super excited about this, this potential of a clinical trial and, uh, um, you know, and that'll lead her down all sorts of paths this season. Um, but, but I think it's fun that she's, you know, she's not only deciding to fight, but she's fighting with, with enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so let so let's go into that because that kind of catches us up to uh, more or less where we are uh, at the moment. And, and so tell us about so she d- decides to enroll in this trial. It's being run by this doctor, uh, Doctor Atticus Sherman, who's a, a part time also physician. known as Alan Alda. <laughs> sure, <laughs> on the side with the, uh, with, with the he's kids. a great doctor. That Alan Alda. <laughs> He is a great. He is a great doctor. Um, but uh, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, about him and about your thinking um, behind that 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 character and what he he really represents and any significance in the name. Um, no particular significance in the name. Okay. Uh, Attica Sherman just thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know he he represents a different kind of doctor than. Um, then Dr. Todd, who recurs uh, in the second season and will, especially toward the end of the season, um, kind of, uh, you know, play with those personalities and, and Kathy's perspective on these different doctors. You know, um, Dr. Sherman sort of represents the doctor who's, you know, he's a melanoma specialist. He's got sort of cutting-edge clinical trials going on, and he, he's sort of the doctor to be with, um, you know, in this area if this is what you're going through. 
Um, but, you know, she'll come to sort of miss the bedside manner of Dr. Todd. Like, this, he's a, Dr. Sherman's a little more of a pragmatist, and he's kind of a, a scientist. And, uh, and he's, um, you know, doesn't have quite the same bedside manner and maybe doesn't fill her with, with uh, the kind of the hope and joy um, that she would like to be, be filled with at times. There's kind of a trade-off with her, her working with this doctor. Um, you know, and the clinical trial also allows her to meet, she'll, um, well, I, I think we've already aired a couple of those episodes where she meets Hugh Dancy, which is another, um, mm-hmm. he plays another um, patient in the clinical trial, and, and he sort of becomes her support group. You know, um, there's an episode coming up where he says uh, sick people need sick friends, and um, that was an important relationship we wanted to establish with somebody who really could say, I know what you're going through. I know some of the things you're feeling. I mean, everybody's, everybody's uh, situation is, is unique to them, obviously. Yeah. Um, but to have someone going through the exact same trial and living with the same disease, um, you know, I, I think it would be really important. To, to have a relationship like that. To have that, yeah. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand, choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer, created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, on today's show, we're talking 
to Darlene Hunt, the creator and, and one of the executive uh, producers of The Big C, uh, a widely popular comedy about living life to the fullest despite a cancer diagnosis. Uh, the show today is being brought to you in part by a Millennium and Amgen Oncology, and, and uh, we were talking before the break a little bit about um, uh, how Kathy's character connects with another patient who's in the clinical trial and how that becomes an important support element for her. We're going we're gonna to talk about, uh, go, go back to that support topic um, uh, in a minute or two, but uh, we have some other things we want to cover. Uh, I just want to mention the Big C airs on Showtime um, um, on Monday evenings, 10.30 Eastern. I, I really highly recommend the series. I have to, I have to admit I'm a big fan uh, myself and as the CEO of one of the largest um, cancer organizations in the, in the country, it certainly is uh, incredibly meaningful uh, for us to, uh, to see Showtime taking on uh, a topic like this and treating it in such a really unique and interesting and, and, and really um, refreshing way. I, I think the acting and the writing are unsurpassed, and it's, it's a must-see if, uh, whether or not you've been touched by cancer. Um, we're talking a little bit about the inspiration for the Big C and how, how Kathy the show's main character, played by Laura Linney, makes medical decisions that, that play an important role um, in the storyline. I want to touch on a couple of other um, kind of hot topics on the show. Um, Dar- Darlene, for the majority of season one, and we started to touch on this, but for those just joining us, Kathy really hides her diagnosis from, from her family and friends, and she, she shows some, uh, you know, she's this kind of vanilla Midwestern housewife and starts to show some um, uh, interesting, erratic, kind of crazy behavior. Um, Tell us why you made this decision. Was it was how did you decide to take that angle? Was this a, a you know calculated risk? Did you get any any, any criticism for that? Um, uh, a few things. First of all, thank you for your nice words about the show. It uh, it it really moves me. It means a lot, and I I appreciate it, uh, especially coming from your perspective. Um, second of all, um, I. I am never scared to take risks in, in comedy and entertainment um, because mm-hmm. I, I, I think I like to walk away from movies or shows that, um, that make me emotional in some way. And even if I make someone angry for just a little bit, <laughs> um, I think, you know, it, then maybe they'll talk about it and, and uh, it'll create an interesting dinner conversation. Um, you know, that being said, I remember sitting down for lunch with um, a cancer survivor Funny enough, my, my friend called me and he's like, I met a guy at the gym who's a, a lymphoma a, um, survivor and I just think he, he's cool and I think you should talk to him. And um, so we talked and one of the things he said after he got diagnosed, he, he was embarrassed to tell people. He got overcome with this feeling of shame mm-hmm. and, uh, and found it difficult to, talk, to tell people right away. Now, I don't know how unique that experience is. That may have only been one person or maybe other people have, had felt that, but it did resonate with, with me of how um, challenging just the act of telling people must be. Uh, and then I did some online research and I heard other stories of, uh, you know, that I remember reading something of this woman was saying, my husband won't let me tell our kids that our adult kids that uh, he's had cancer for the past six months. Um, so while it may not be the most common experience, I think um, hiding a diagnosis isn't completely uncommon. Um, so I liked kind of playing, playing that out. And, and I think she's someone who this character, rightly or wrongly, feels like she's given a lot of herself away. She's given a lot of herself away as a mother and has been just doing for other people a lot. And, and I think in some ways she kind of wants this to be her own for a little while. She kind of just wants to... Um, 
hold on to it uh, as her own and, and um, you know, change up her life without, um, you know, sort of discussing cancer with everyone right away. Um, well, yeah, I, and I do think that, that uh, you know, certainly we see that uh, you cannot predict people's reactions. I hear mm-hmm. folks with cancer all the time say, um, you will be uh, as surprised by the people who show up as you are by the people who don't show up. Interesting. And, you, you know, you, you just cannot predict uh, people's reactions. And I know that folks do st- certainly struggle with, with how to tell people and, and, and what the reaction is going to be. But uh, I, I, it kind of leads us to a good moment. We've got, uh, we've got a clip uh, from the show uh, where where Kathy and then kind of blurts out uh, uh, cancer. She's in a, an interesting uh, kind of situation and context, and she does tell her friend uh, Rebecca, uh, played by Cynthia Nixon, uh, that she does have cancer. And uh, we don't, you know, could not necessarily predict this reaction. But let, let's uh, let's listen to that clip, and then we can we can talk about that, Darlene. Mm-hmm. Oh. No! Thomas! Oh, no, Thomas, you give those back. Those are very bad for you, Paul! Okay, now listen, I'm gonna put my fingers down your throat, and I need you to throw up. What's the matter? You okay? He ate some of my muscle relaxers. Call call the vet. Come on, boy. Come on, no, here, I need you to think about something gross, and then just... Yes, uh, yes, I have a Bassett emergency. What you doing? Uh, I don't know. He ate some of my medication. These? Oh, wow, <laughs> these are supersonic. Hydrogen peroxide. That'll get him through. Cyclo. Um, this will be in his bloodstream in a couple of minutes. How many did he take? At least two. I don't have hydrogen peroxide. Those pills are some of my best sellers. People like a fast-acting drug. How many did he eat? At, At least, least two. two. At least two. Come here, sweetie. Come here. Wow. You taking these two? Is there something about you that I don't know? You suffer from intractable migraines? No. Are you okay? Epileptic seizures? No. Oh, that sandwich looks good. Do you mind if I have? No. A little stingy with the sandwich. No, I, I crushed up some pills. I put them in there. Because you have trouble swallowing pills? No, it was for Sean. I, I, it was for Sean. Oh, I needed him to stay calm. Why? Because I, ha- I have cancer, Rebecca. There, now you know. I have cancer. So if you need to calm down, take a bite. But I don't think it's recommended for the baby. Oh, Kath. Oh, my God. Well, what kind? Melanoma. The really not good kind. I'm just so stunned. You're going to be my first really good friend that has had cancer. I will be forever changed. Hopefully for the better. Listen, promise me you will not tell Sean. Oh, I... I want to tell him myself, but right now my my head hurts. Okay, he should be fine, but they want to know if he seems lethargic. No more than usual. So, Darlene, again, obviously, you know, before we heard that clip, we're talking about you just can't predict what people's reactions were going to be. And, I, I, it's, and it's so interesting, to, again, for me to hear you, you sort of say, Kathy wanted to, you know, she, she was somebody who was always giving and, and taking care of others and, and wanted to hold this to herself for, for a little while. And I think that uh, the revelation and listening to that clip speaks for itself. Um, uh, Rebecca makes it all about her. Um, I will be forever changed, and and, um, and and you're my first friend. You know, it's all about me, 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 Rebecca. And um, Kathy's going, oh, you know, she's, you can kind of see in her face, gosh, I knew 
I knew this was going to happen, and and you kind of get that feeling. You know, I was so that that was worried, and, and she did keep tried it to, to be very protective of of Rebecca to some degree. Um, I mean, she is sort of our our resident narcissist for sure yeah. in the series, but I. I I remember wanting to like, well, let's keep her grounded. Let's keep her real. Let's not go too far with her. And then, uh, and I have to speak in code a little bit here in case, uh, <laughs> in case anyone I know is listening, but let's just say I have someone very close to me, very recently diagnosed mm-hmm. um, with, with uh, cancer uh, and is going through treatment. And she has a friend, um, also kind of a resident narcissist, and has stories that blow Rebecca's character out of the water. And now I'm like, darn, we should have made her even go further. Um, <laughs> so I've kind of been been in shock and awe at, at some more recent stories I've heard of about how people can kind of make it about them and, and impose themselves in a way that's the opposite of, of helpful. And it is um, pretty hilarious to hear about, if, if maybe not hilarious for the person uh, who has cancer and is enduring this person, um, but yeah, I do, uh, I, hindsight, I wish maybe we went even a little further with, with Rebecca, Rebecca's character. Uh, but it was, uh, just, uh, just a great, a really, a, really a, a great moment. And then, you know, you, again, like I said, you can just kind of see it in her face like, oh, darn, I, once it's out there, you just can't take it back. And it does kind of forever change the landscape of all of those, uh, all of those relationships, um, uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about uh, about her relationship with Paul, with her husband, and um, you know how you see how you see that shift when when she does uh, you know start to share this with him because you know obviously she kind of kicked him out of the house and mm-hmm. and was kind of distancing herself from him, but then you know this really looks like you know this really does pull them closer. Yeah, I you know I'm 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 pro marriage and I've always been really rooting for those guys. <laughs> And uh, and so the fact that she does share with him, he he really does step up, and he wants to be her uh, concierge, as uh, <laughs> as one of our writers, Jenny Bix, coined that that term that I uh, adore. Um, and then uh, season two, we'll kind of we'll get to see them come together, which I think is really refreshing and great, and see how they uh, act as a couple, and see how this kind of takes them to a new level, and I think it's really special. But then we also see kind of the downside of the pressure of the caretaker and how much pressure um, Paul, her husband, is under and how he's trying to, you know, things like bills and and the, the insurance company. And, uh, he, you know, he's trying to keep that stress away from his wife so she doesn't have that. He, she's not dealing with that, too. But meanwhile, it, it's, you know, it's piling up on him, and um, and it's tough. It's tough. So... I think yeah, I mean, it's, I'll tell you, it's why we've always, all of our programs have always been not only for the for the patient, but for the caregiver as well. And, um, you know, we've even got separate, you know, support groups for the caregivers, that, but they come to all of our yoga, to our meditation, to all of those things, because, right. you know, the truth of the matter is, the, you know, the patient can say, you know, I don't feel good today. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to work today. They can pull the covers over the head. They can cry. They can, um, you know, retreat when they want to, but but the caregiver can't really do that the caregiver really is um, out, out front and and needs to lead that charge. Um, uh, so yeah, I do that. Yeah, I think a, it's critical um, that we focus maybe in on the that last a episode bit. that aired where Paul says like your cancer trumps everything. 
um, you know, where he just sort of airs his frustration of you're exactly right, not being able to sort of say like, oh, I'm going crazy or I'm having a bad day. Like he feels, he, you know, he feels guilty saying that because she has cancer. Um, so I think that's a kind of an interesting position and, and hopefully one we're, we're playing out. Yeah, it's so it's so, it's so true, um, uh, Darlene. We've just got a couple minutes until the break here, but um, in, in the first season, we do see Kathy briefly attend a, a support group for for people dealing with cancer. Overall, it was you know, characterized as a pretty negative experience, and um, you know we got one, we got more than one or two emails uh, <laughs> uh, here certainly after that episode. Since since you know last year we ran uh, twenty two thousand support group sessions in our organization, but. Um, uh, you know, certainly we recognize that idea that support groups aren't for anybody and 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 and, uh, um, and for everybody, and you just have to kind of choose choose your path. But, but why did you choose that characterization characterization of of the support group? <laughs> well, I will I will wholly blame and stand behind uh, Jenny Bix, who is uh, our showrunner <laughs> on the show, and she wrote that episode, and and she was really passionate about about writing that episode. Um, when we when we went to work on the first season, and she is a cancer survivor herself, mm-hmm. and um, so it was. I, I believe, and I don't want to totally speak for her, but but I believe that was uh, based a little bit on on a personal experience for her. And I think her point was that uh, was not to um, cast a negative light on support groups in any any way at all. They're obviously um, uh, just so necessary and wonderful. But there's also kind of a, and I think her take was that sometimes the the stay positive uh, and don't think negative thoughts sort of taken to an extreme um, yeah. can be can be more hurtful than helpful. I mean, yeah. think of just the amount of pressure uh, put on somebody who's who's uh, not allowed to think a negative thought. Like, that's that would stress me out right there. And um, sure. while I'm sure that's not what all support groups right. um, pretend to do, I, th- I think that that was just one element that she was, that she was showcasing. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, uh, uh, I, I hear you. And like I said, I mean, we, you know, we... We certainly believe that you have, you know, you have to find your path as someone with cancer. And we certainly, you know, folks that are, folks, know folks who, you know, they, say, they they come into our doors for all kinds of things, yoga and nutrition classes, and but say, oh, I don't, I don't want that support group. But again, you know, it really works for a lot of folks. So you really do have to make your oh, make your you know, uh, your choices. I attended a support group for for Alzheimer's, uh, which is something we're dealing with in our family. And uh, I mean, that has been a life changing, uh, amazing support. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, of support groups, and like I say, this that was sort of just highlight yeah. highlighting sort of a, a specific philosophy that I think can be uh, can be uh, a little much um, at times. Yeah, yeah. This is frankly speaking about cancer. We're uh, breaking down the big C today. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. 
The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're here with Darlene Hunt, the creator and executive producer of the groundbreaking series, The Big C. Now in its second season on Showtime, The Big C airs uh, Mondays at uh, 1030 Eastern. Uh, obviously, I don't want you to give away any trade secrets here, Darlene, but want to see if we can uh, just take a little bit of a glimpse into the future and, and give folks a general uh, a sense of, of, uh, of what, they, what they might expect in, in Season 2 and, and, uh, 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 and hopefully beyond. And, and, and also, really, Darlene, if you could take a minute to talk about you know, what you hope viewers are, are taking, away, uh, taking away from this show. We love the fact that you're stirring it up. Uh, uh, a little bit w- with the show, and, and um, you know, what are some of the things you think about and that you hope people are getting from the show? Um, I'll tell you honestly, my, my number one thing I hope they take away from it is I hope people are entertained. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I just want them to, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a comedy writer, uh, and I want to entertain people, and I remember saying this in my original pitch when someone mentioned the, the risk of offending cancer patients. I'm like, who needs to laugh more than someone yeah. dealing with uh, an illness? Who, who needs, to, uh, uh, who needs to, to find find humor in their life more than that? So, um, so that's truly my goal is to just entertain people, uh, have them laugh and cry in an episode. I think catharsis feels awfully good. So um, if, if I can do that for just a few people, um, I'm proud. Um, this this should not be. Um, I don't know that anyone should take any particular um, lessons away from the show in terms yeah. of how to deal uh, with their own personal experience. But but if it stirs up conversation or or topics that are helpful to them, I think that's fantastic too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what was the beginning? Oh, oh, what can we get in the future? Well, you know, we mentioned the sort of the support group thing, but the. The reality is she's, um, she's found a new friend in, in yes. Hugh Dancy. He plays the character of Lee. And, and in many ways, he becomes her support, um, her family, who now knows is, is more of a support group. And, and we have visions, and hopefully we're waiting for a season three pickup. But if we get to season three, uh, we have some visions of, um, you know, we're kind of playing, toying with the, the three stages, uh, or not the three stages, but the stages of grief. Agreed, um, yeah. The second season deals with fighting. She's really fighting the cancer and focus on treatment. Season three would be a season of bargaining and, and what she thinks she can do and, and how she can bargain for more time in her, her life. And, and I think we'll, we'll see her reaching out for some different, um, different support places to go for support uh, there as well. Um, and then otherwise, I, I, think, I think some of the characters are going to take some journey, uh, journeys this season in light of 
Kathy's diagnosis that hopefully will be a little bit surprising. We'll see sort of um, the way being a family member of somebody with cancer, how that affects people's lives in, in uh, some intense ways. And, and um, you know, we're just finishing up the finale now, but, but I think it's kind of shocking um, and uh, where, where we end up. Do you, do you have uh, doctors, oncologists, survivors, you know, in the writer's room? I mean, how much do you kind of pull that you know, in not, from real life? Not in the room, but there's a, a Dr. Uh, Trisol that we, uh, a melanoma um, specialist that we consult with um, by phone regularly. We always start off the, the season um, on a call with him. Um, and then send emails and regularly check in on specifics of somebody's, uh, our writer's assistant's uncle is an oncologist. We have emails flying everywhere to sort of verify things. Um, You know, that being said, though, you know, I always pitched um, that this series would would sort of leave cancer somewhat in the background. Yes. And um, so you'll never get a ton of details Yep. about uh, what she's going through with cancer treatment and so um, and and you know her diagnosis specifically just because that's not what the show is about and and we don't want to be totally taken to task for uh, but um, you know for for sort of the medical aspects but that being said we're trying to stay true to the science we're we're trying to stay you know have the character make decisions that someone would make you know. Right. Uh, in light of the situation, she went, you know, she tried interleukin, didn't work. She's going through a clinical trial. She's getting results. Oh, <laughs> she may or may not be getting results from that at some point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oops. Um, but, uh, but we're trying to stay true to the science. Yeah. You know, uh, Darlene, at our centers around the country, you know, one of our legacy organizations is Gilda's Club, which was, you know, founded in memory of, of the comedian Gilda Radner. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Uh, one of the events that we do at all of our 50 affiliates around the country is an event called Joke Fest, um, where you know oh, awesome. cancer survivors and, and and family members come in and and it's just a, a you know big party on a Friday night where everybody tells jokes. And I was at one in Cincinnati where the media came to cover uh, cover the event and. Uh, they couldn't show any of the jokes on the news because they were all they were all too dirty. <laughs> perfect, perfect. I love a dirty joke. That's yeah, why we're on Showtime. We can be a little raunchy too. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, we really uh, appreciate you taking the time to be with us on Frankly Speaking about Cancer um, uh, today, Darlene. Again, I, I encourage everyone to to check out the Big C on Showtime uh, Mondays, uh, 10.30 Eastern. Um, uh, as I said earlier, I'm a big fan of the show, and it has certainly um, inspired a lot of great conversation here at the cancer support community, a lot of you know, questions and issues and challenges. And, um, um, but I think uh, we just love the fact that, it's, that, 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 it, that it, is, it is front and center, and it is right. sparking um, uh, this kind of conversation. Um, in light of our, our some of the, the many shows, the hilarious moments, absurd moments, we want to do something a little different on the show today. We want to ask our listeners today to, to, to find the Cancer Support Community on Facebook and uh, post your funniest or most absurd uh, cancer story on our, on our wall. 
uh, on Facebook. And, and um, for the five funniest entries, we're going to send you out a copy of our book, uh, The Total Cancer Wellness Guide. So check us out on Facebook and tell us your, tell us your stories, and we'll share those back with Darlene as well. But uh, for more information about the cancer support community, um, call us at 888-793-9355. In fact, we've got a brand-new free uh, treatment decision counseling program. If you want to talk to one of our trained counselors and if you're facing a treatment decision or other challenging decisions in your cancer experience, you can give us a call at 888-793-9355 or visit us uh, at cancersupportcommunity.org. Also, just to wrap the show, I want to mention that the cancer community lost two extraordinary women this summer, um, really both brave and, and outspoken cancer advocates. Uh, Betty Ford, who passed away uh, at the age of 93, was really a powerful force for women's health and, and, and women's health rights. And the former first lady really called national attention to breast cancer long before it became such a, a popular issue and really made great efforts to educate women about the risk. Uh, we also recently lost Laura Ziskin, who passed away in June after a seven-year battle with breast cancer. Uh, Laura was an acclaimed film producer and studio executive and founded Stand Up to Cancer. Um, and uh, she was a friend of, of, uh, of the cancer support community and, and uh, certainly viewed her advocacy work in cancer as, as uh, some of her most important accomplishments. So we at the cancer support community really honor uh, the memories of Betty Ford and Laura Ziskin for their uh, co- many contributions to the cancer community. And we want to dedicate uh, this episode to those uh, exemplary women and the legacy um, that they leave behind. Uh, again, if you're looking for uh, support services, uh, visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. We've got 50 centers around the country. We're doing support groups, educational programs, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction. All of our services are free uh, for people with all cancers uh, and for their family members and loved ones. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org.